You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. The first contestant for the $1,000 guest bounty later on in this program will give us a nice little break in the middle of yelling about Jerry Reinsdorf being cheap and the White Sox being poorly run, I figure. Right? So, I mean, there'll be a little balance yeah, to the show. Yeah, it'll be nice. It'll, it'll be nice. It's crazy to me. Absolutely insane to read what's coming out of the GM meetings and hear about a team that's moving on from a $20 million contract from Jose Abreu had A.J. Pollock do them a favor, an absolute favor. A huge solid. Yeah, he freed up $8 million this year. $8 million. Thank you, A.J. And to see that you have payroll available to you, and then to read in The Athletic from our good friend James Fegan that the White Sox, even though they spent $196 million, and that's the number on fan graphs, we're going to be talking about figures basically using them. I know that Spot Track's a little different, but I also know that Spot Track doesn't use the same amount of data. Like, you can put it side by side and find the reasons why it's off a little bit. Baseball Reference is, I think, really good at at, look, at looking up options real quick and, and seeing, like, a big picture, but their numbers are always a little off as well. Fangraphs is what we're going to go off of, and, and, and James did that in his article in The Athletic as well. $196 million across the White Sox to field a team last year and they're sitting right now as he put it at 173 million on their payroll right now after all the options have been decided and based upon the expected arbitration numbers if they pick up all of the tenders if they tender everybody and you sit there and you say okay fine if you go to 196 that's 23 million dollars but no in the article it says one source Within the White Sox says they want that opening day payroll to be around $180 million. They're cutting payroll after having the biggest home attendance that they had had since 2010. In a competitive window, this billionaire is just going to be like, whatever. This is all I'm going to spend. I got to get all my dollars lined up because, you know, inflation and I can't lose a penny. He doesn't care. This guy doesn't care. He should sell the team. We're all just waiting at this point for new ownership because we will never win another championship if that's true. If that's true and that's how you're doing it, David Sampson, former guest on this show, who said publicly and reiterated on this show that this man would rather come in second place because it keeps him interested, 100% completely believe it. 40-some years of him as the owner and me as a fan, 100% completely believe it. 20 years of Rick Hahn and the organization talking about we don't want anything insular this year with the manager hire when he's one of the most insular people inside of the room who gets to determine by his own words when he's done. If I don't have the confidence I can do it or whatever he said, then I'll let I'll, I'll step down. While Jerry doesn't even come out in front of cameras, doesn't even talk. They canceled Saxfest because they know how angry you're going to be. Like originally I was like, oh, they're going to be upset about Tony. They're going to yell about what happened last year. They're going to do all that stuff. No, 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 no. Nope. This is why they're mad right here. They canceled Saxfest. They knew they were getting rid of payroll. They knew what they were doing. They knew how angry you'd be by the time that it came rolling around. 
This is just the craziest damn thing that I've ever heard of. A team that keeps trying to tell, remember the mantra, the money will be spent. How many years did you take? How many years did you barely spend anything on your payroll? How many years were you basically at the bottom and you're done? You're already done. We get a, we get a shortened COVID season. We get a 2021 where you make the postseason and get one playoff win. We get Tony LaRusso for two years and a throwaway season in 21. So a billionaire can make his friend happy. And then we're going to cut payroll? Are, are you kidding me? This episode brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. All of them are proud sponsors of Sacks in the Basement. They take money off if you mention Sacks in the Basement. Protect your home, your foundation. Keep water out 24-7. Give them a call, 708-330-4466. Your basement's best defense is at FamilyDry.com. You and I are sitting here on the front lines of this thing as fans angry today because we're hearing this and because you and I have looked at the numbers and we've talked about this and we've talked about what their options are and we've talked about how, you know, yeah, you might have to move on from a Jose Abreu to be able to shore up another position or, you know, to do this. And we've talked about the fact that this, this not a rebuild that Rick Hahn pulled off where he didn't create anything sustainable here. There's nothing, there's nothing to sustain success because there's nothing really there to, build off of if you have to go and reduce payroll if you have to move on from some higher priced veterans we can look you and i can sit here and look right now at this roster and still find i find four holes that need to be filled and only three guys walked away okay and and for one of those for jose abreu you actually did have a plan in place because gavin sheets and andrew vaughn are first baseman by trade so i I don't understand how they could with a straight face say that this is even going to be a competitive team this year when you're still rocking a couple of positions where guys are underperforming grossly, especially compared to their contract number. And where right now, as you sit there with guys walking away from the team and I, and, and I God bless AJ Pollock for giving the $8 million to the white Sox, But I also, I saw that and a red flag went up in my head. I said, why is this veteran leaving a team that's supposed to contend for a championship to probably take less money elsewhere, it can only be because of two reasons in my mind. One, he thinks he's winning that ring somewhere else and he's not winning it here. Or two, he hates this clubhouse and just does not want to be here because there's something fractured within. He either hates the clubhouse, hates the team direction, and I would also throw in there, probably ask, like, how am I going to be used? Because he was misused and didn't get any kind of assurances that he was going to be playing every day in left field, right? I mean, like, I think think that was probably also a fact. You're never going to know until you talk to him. But, but I'm going to tell you this, there's so little confidence so early on in the offseason listening to this team talk, and it sucks. I mean, seriously, there are teams that are filled with hope. There are teams that are like, we're going to make some moves. We're going to be players for this. We're going to we're gonna reshape this. We're going to add pitching. We're going to add hitting. We're going to add defense. Across town. Right. They're talking about signing Jose Abreu, chasing Carlos Correa, and Trey Turner. They're talking about adding adding free agent pitchers. Heck, I think there's probably even going to be some smoke there about them signing Aaron Judge. And meanwhile, we're going uh, we're going what? We got about seven million dollars in room on the payroll, from what I understand here. I'm sitting here looking at Spot Track, trying to figure out what veteran pitcher would fit into a seven million dollar budget, and 95 percent of that could be taken up by Zach Davies, and that's probably the best we're going to do. I mean, think about this. He's going to sit around and tell us he's going to get it done with trades. The guy who can't pull off a trade, right? Who's who hasn't won a trade? How many how many trades has he actually won? It, with the exception of 
going out and grabbing a long-term prospect that's high up on a list. The the two major trades, the three major trades that led to the, the quote-unquote rebuild, which I refused, I, I'm going to start using that word, that led to led to the remake. I'm going to call it a remake because it wasn't, he didn't rebuild anything. The three remake trades, Eaton, Sale, and Quintana, right? Those are the three. And I would say he won the Quintana trade because Dylan Cease and Aloya Menez have panned out for the most part. I don't know that he won the Chris Sale trade, to be honest with you, because Yohan Moncada is not what he should have been based on his prospect listing at that point. And frankly, Michael Kopech is just made of glass. The guy cannot stay healthy. And maybe that changes, so the jury's a little bit out there. But thus far, I'm not entirely sure that that's a solid gold victory for Rick Hahn. The Adam Eaton trade, you know what? Lucas Giolito had his moment. Ronaldo Lopez is a nice bullpen piece. Dane Dunning turned into Lance Lynn. I guess that's something. You know, but th- those are not huge victories. Those are not not where we're sitting there going, my God, like you said, my God, he fleeced the guy. And to make this happen, I think if he's going to do this by trades, he's got to take three guys, maybe four guys off of the 40-man roster because he doesn't have that much in the minor leagues. And frankly, you can't afford to get rid of minor leaguers now because you can't afford to pay anybody to replace them. But he's got to try and take like three guys and make 10 guys, 10 major league above average guys come back as part of those trades. I don't trust that he can get that done. I'm not sure that too many general managers can pull that off in one off season. The track record doesn't exactly speak volumes. No, that's the thing. His track record does not tell me that he's even capable of doing it. Like if all of a sudden, like AJ Preller came over from San Diego and was like, Hey, I just always wanted to take care of the white Sox. I'm sitting over here watching this mess. And this would be like the greatest challenge in the world. I got $7 million to work with, and I'm going to make a bunch of trades and change the team. I'm like, maybe, Maybe a guy like that can figure that out, right? He's shown me the capability to make trades like he's playing fantasy football or fantasy baseball and, you know, the the, the think outside the box thing. This guy doesn't show me that. Jerry DePoto is the same way, the guy for the Mariners. I would trust Jerry DePoto to do it. Right, and think about that. This guy doesn't have that ability. This is just an attorney that hung around the White Sox, got himself hired by a, a sports management company, spent two years in it, and then all of a sudden starts working for the White Sox, spends 20 years inside of this building, insulated from the way that other teams do things, and, and now all of a sudden is going to go and try to do something he's never been able to do before with a limited payroll because his cheap owner won't give him the opportunity to, to spend money, which he should be doing. You know, there, there's a famous moment in wrestling if you're a wrestling fan in wwe about a decade ago where cm punk a wrestler from uh, from chicago if you're familiar with him you're like why are you explain who cm punk is i know who he is but just in case you don't know not everyone remember knows who the best in the world is his so. contract's running out and he goes out and grabs a microphone and rips in to the owner of the wwe vince mcmahon and his family and he says a line where he says vince mcmahon is a millionaire who should be a billionaire if he didn't surround himself with glad-handing yes-men. And Jerry Reinsdorf applies. For all the money that he's made with the White Sox, imagine if he ran it correctly, because this is not the correct way to run a major market team in the city of Chicago with a fan base like this that has shown over the years consistently that if you put a winner on the field, if you give them something to believe in, they will show up. And you're not showing that right now. No, instead, you're canceling SoxFest and you're hiding. And you're just hoping we'll just take this pill and swallow it. It's disgusting. Sell the team, Jerry. Sell the team.
Once again this offseason, Socks in the Basement presents the $1,000 Guest Bounty. You know somebody famous or interesting. You reach out to us and get us in touch with them. We book the guest, bring the guest on, talk baseball or whatever else they want to talk about. At the end of the offseason, the fans vote for the best guest. The winner who helped us book that guest wins $1,000. It is all brought to you by the law offices of Parente and Norum. Have you been injured at work? Then you need a team that will do what it takes to fight for your rights. Insurance companies only care about one thing, their bottom line. And the law offices of Parente and Norum has experience, dedication, proven results. It takes to get you the care and compensation you deserve. They have recovered over $400 million dollars. For their injured clients and their loved ones. For a free case evaluation, Socks in the Basement listeners, call or text them today at 312-641-5926. Joining me on the line right now, the first contestant in our $1,000 guest bounty. And uh, I think this is a, a really cool guest, a little outside the box here. When Kevin Matthews was doing Chicago radio, I was just a kid listening to Chicago radio. And later on in my life, 10 years later, I started off on my first college radio station, bounced around the country a little bit, and did some morning radio. And uh, guys like Kevin Matthews and many of the other guys around the air uh, back in the, in the 80s into the 90s here in Chicago going strong, and those you listen to become an influence on you. So it's really exciting to have Kevin Matthews here on Socks in the Basement. How are you, Kev? I'm great. Yeah, thank you very much. I uh, Good to be back in Chicago and, of course, anything uh, with association with the uh, Chicago White Sox. And, yeah, my colleagues at that time on the loop was, of course, Brian Meyer, Johnny B, and other guy that hates uh, disco records, Steve Gall. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. You're on AM 1000. There's an affiliation with the White Sox. Tell, tell me, tell me how that how that worked because you know whenever I think of you, I think of you as just you know essentially a an entertainer on the radio, right? You're doing a show. You're not you're not just introducing records. You're doing a show. Uh, but I never think of I never think of your sports. I never think of you as a sports guy. But I know that you've been in, you've been involved with sports in Chicago. Well, the one thing about it with AM 1000, that was a huge. You know, that's the former CFL. Uh, you know, there's a 50,000-watt AM station, which got into 32 states in Canada. So um, Jimmy DeCastro bought, the company bought AM 1000. Everybody was doing FM. We moved over to AM, where our parents listened, and grandparents, uh, but it was like a GTO. It was a great car, and we all went over to AM 1000, and... I, with Brandmeier and Steve and Gary, and don't forget at that time too, we were also heavy into sports because this new kid, Michael Jordan, came to the Bulls, and the Bulls, we aired the Chicago Bulls on AM 1000. So, you know, I mean, we have a ton of heritage there, and eventually we also became uh, the White Sox affiliate. And, you know, we revolutionized radio. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, we didn't, we just caused havoc. And I'm proud of that. And actually, from what I understand, you used to hunt with Bo Jackson. Tell me about that. Bo and I, 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 we had way out West outside of Chicago. Bo and I had some friends and we would go hunt a lot. We would either bow hunt or, you know, we hunted rabbits, and I was I was trying to get up into this tree to hunt, 
And I can remember Bo, I was having a real hard time getting up this tree. And Bo just took his hand and just, just grabbed my ass and threw me into this tree. And Bo was a great hunter. Uh, Bo was, I actually watched Bo run a deer down. Um, I had some great hunting times with, uh, with Bo Jackson because I met Bo through Johnny Red Kerr. And Johnny was an avid uh, fisherman, and I just spent a lot of time with Bo Jackson, and, and I, you know, admired his charity work, and of course, you know what he did for baseball and football. He was Bo Jackson, and uh, those were just prime times. You know, I'll never forget them. Yeah, you know, when I think of Bo Jackson, and you know, at the time when when he's with the White Sox, I'm I'm a teenager, right? And you know, he's on that '93 team, but the majority of the time that he was. A, a part of the organization he's rehabbing from that injury that he got playing football and and, and the new hip uh, but it seems like even in his short amount of time that he actually spent on the field he really ingrained himself into the Chicago sports culture he hangs out with guys like you he's out there hunting rabbits like like what did you think of his influence with such a, a small amount of time when you think of him though you think of him as being here for a long time and being a part of the city for a greater amount of time than he probably was and he was one of a kind I mean Bo Jackson had the heart of Walter Payton or Michael Jordan or you know some of the greats the Bobby Hulls and and, and whatnot. I mean, I'll never forget when I saw Bo Jackson strike out and then break a baseball bat over his leg. You know, Bo was, uh, he was exceptional. And we were lucky to see people like that. And we were lucky to see these folks like Bo Jackson or Walter Payton or Michael Jordan or some of the greats play in our city. Kevin Matthews, an ever guest here on Socks in the Basement, brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Shop, dine, drink, and explore. See everything they have to offer. Plan a trip. Visit LamontDowntown.com. Describe for me what it's like behind the scenes when you've got Kevin Matthews, Steve Dahl, Jonathan Brandmeier, the whole gang over there. What's that like? What don't we see? It would be like hanging out with Charlie Manson and the Manson family. We were Animal House. We did whatever we wanted to do. We had no rules. Uh, if we got fined by the FCC, we had people like Larry Word, our general manager, that would just sign a check and give it over to uh, the Gestapo, the FCC. Um, we changed the face of radio. We were the Rolling Stones of radio, and it's never been anything close to anything like AM1000. In fact, Larry Wirt right now, the general manager of AM1000, He's actually putting together a documentary on AM1000 and The Loop because not only was it a great radio station, but culturally, what was happening in Chicago then, you did have Michael Jordan. You had this uh, lady named Oprah. You had Second City. You had Chris Farley. You had just this Petri dish. It was the perfect storm culturally. Your thoughts on the White Sox right now. How important is it for this team to, to do something after such a disappointing uh, season. Uh, you know, Tony LaRusso's out the door. you got a brand-new manager walking in. They've got to make some tweaks. Uh, but a terrible season where they don't even make the postseason. How important is it for, for a White Sox team to get back to the playoffs? You know, I've said this in, to the world of entertainment, from sports to concerts to whatever. Right now, money is so important to everybody. And secondary discretionary income is very, very important. So, you know, people aren't going to waste their money on watching a team lose. It's just gotten too expensive. And if you want to win and you want to fill seats, you've got to bring in great players and you've got to win 
World Series, the championships. You know, I'm so sick of hearing about teams that are rebuilding, constantly rebuilding. I'm here in Michigan again. And the Michigan, look at the Lions. They've been rebuilding since 1958. I'm going to be dead before they win a, a championship. And, you know, the, the ownership and Reinsdorf and everybody, they got to get their act together. And they got to put a great team together. Otherwise, people aren't going to watch. They can't afford it. And um, it's really important that they uh, they really get off their ass and they really get serious. You know, I, I think the last two years, especially in the dugout and the management, has just been atrocious. You know, I, I just, you can't, that's uncalled for. That's, it's not an experiment down there. It's a, it's a dugout. Put in people that know how to coach and can motivate players. And players are making exceptional money. You know, earn your pay or get out. You know, that's what I'd like to see is just a lot of people fired more often. So let me ask you about this because I, I I noticed this after we had you scheduled, but you uh, have crossed paths with MorningwoodBats.com and they cross paths with Socks in the Basement. So we actually have like a yeah. like a, a degree of separation between you and me, even though it's the first time we've ever talked before. How did you get involved with them? You know, I just I've been a big fan of their baseball bats in Chicago. This is a Chicago company. And these bats are made in America. But if you know anybody that loves baseball or plays baseball, MorningwoodBats.com, they make custom baseball bats. And and they're beautiful. And I do. I For some reason, I've always loved collecting baseball bats. Or if I was playing the game, how cool is it to actually have a bat that you want a certain amount of weight, you got a feel to it. I mean, look at how much money we put in golf clubs. And if people are, you know, playing softball or, you know, after work or whatever, you're playing baseball of some kind, why not get a baseball bat that really can help you, you know, hit home runs and uh, morning wood bats are, can do that. So I just love them because it's Chicago based, you know, they're all Southsiders and they make a great product. Yeah, and you can kind of pick up ones that, that that are like replicas of like old style bats. I think that's the coolest thing. Yeah, it's like Robert Redford and the natural, you know, that lightning bolt. You can make that stuff or, you know, you got coworkers or whatever, the great Christmas gifts if you want to put somebody's name on the bat. Um, or if you just need a baseball bat for protection, you know, <laughs> put it in the back seat. That's that's a south side use for it right there. Uh, Kevin Matthews, before I let you go, tell everybody a little bit about what you're up to right now, because I know that you're still a busy man, and uh, I'm sure there's ways for people to listen to you and check in on you. Well, you can. I, I, I'm having a lot of fun. Jim Shorts is doing uh, uh, pigskin picks. He's picking the Bears. They've been doing that for weeks. And you can go to Bat Jim Shorts on YouTube, and you can see the animation, what we're doing. Jim's got uh, the best gaming record. You can go to Bat Jim Shorts on YouTube and see all the animation and get an update on what I'm doing, too. I'm staying busy. Kevin Matthews is a radio legend uh, who uh, revolutionized some things in Chicago. And uh, honestly, I'm aware that there are things that I got away with later on on the radio because guys like you blazed the trail and uh, you know, it allows for an idiot like me to uh, get himself also fined by the FCC or suspended or thrown off the air. But I probably got to keep my job because it wasn't as bad as some of the stuff you pulled my friend. Hey, and this year, you know, let's get the uh, socks back on track. 
you know, because it's uh, no more waiting. You know, it's you know, Chicago deserves great sports. That's right. That's right. Socks in the Basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. So if the payroll is terrible and uh, you're going to have to make trades, which means you're going to need to rely on some people, I already know what I'm doing with some of these tenders, non-tenders. I'm not even keeping Adam Angle. Okay, I'm going down to the minors and no, finding... No, he's too expensive. Yeah, the mo- yeah, we can't afford $2 million. We're like the Pittsburgh Pirates right now, having to make decisions like them. Like, oh man, well, you know, we only have a little bit to work with. That's how we're operating right now, right? So we can't keep him around for a couple million dollars. So, you know, maybe Yoki Cespedes or somebody like that comes up and fills that role. And I would say Oscar Colas for that role, but no, he's going to have to start now. He's the left-handed starter in right field. He's going to be well, out you, there. You need, you need two outfielders, right? Because if the plan is Aloy Jimenez at, at DH and Andrew Vaughn at first... That's the one intelligent thing that's been said. That's amazing, Ed. That's the most intelligent thing that's come out of Rick Hahn's mouth at the GM meetings right. where he has essentially admitted Aloy's a DH and Andrew Vaughn needs to play first base. Like, I mean, he's he's only doing it, though, because he can't afford Jose Abreu because his owner's cheap. But I at least understand that he gets that he needs to find more than just one outfielder because Aloy Jimenez is not the left fielder and A.J. Pollock just left. So I don't know what you're filling out there. You got a hole at second. You got two holes in the outfield. And, and you need at least one starter. You need another starting pitcher. Because right now it's Davis Martin. Well, no, they're going to try to convince you that Davis Martin and a and a Garrett Crochet coming back and becoming a starter is going to work after I just watched Carlos Rodon come back two years ago from a surgery and not be able to make it through an entire season. And I just watched Michael Kopech last year do the exact same thing. You're going to try to convince me. You're going to think I'm that stupid that I'm going to believe that Garrett Crochet is going to be one of your starters in your rotation. Well, and look, and here's the problem too, okay? So you're, you're saying Yolki Cespedes. Yolki Cespedes didn't hit very well. I don't know how I don't know how much you want to have this guy that you're invested in, this top international free agent, play the Adam Engel role, you know, and, and, and basically be a backup guy that's going to be the fourth outfielder. And I got reservations about Garrett Crochet. Like you said, he, I don't. there's no guarantees he's going to be ready to start the season. Frankly, the way he throws and his makeup, I'm not sure he's a starting pitcher. But the Colas thing has me bugged because I'm looking at this guy's numbers, and on the surface, you look at how he hit last year, and you see the the batting average. It, it you know it, he's hitting in the 300s. He's got a nice OPS in the 800s. But I will tell you that the indicator that I look at with rookies, and the one that has me bugged about Oscar Colas is strikeout rate. Okay, and that's the number of Ks versus the number of plate appearances a guy has. And generally speaking, what you do in the minors, you expect about a 4% bump when you get to the majors. It happens to everybody, okay? So right now, Oscar Colas, last year, 
23% strikeout rate while he was in the minors over the course of three three different levels. He was in A ball, and he was in double A, and then he was up at Charlotte. So if he goes up, that's 27%, right, for Ugh. his K weight. That is a huge Ugh. K rate. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and, and you know, and, and you look at it, you got, think about a guy like Aloy Jimenez. Aloy Jimenez probably strikes out more than we want him to, and he's at 24%. Yohan Moncada is at 26%, okay? And when you look league-wide, you look at this, you, you sit there and you say, okay, the guys that are in that vein, and it's, it's an ugly list of guys that are high up. Qualified batters last year, the two guys that stand out that are above 26% are Dansby Swanson had a pretty good year, but it might have been an outlier year for him, quite frankly, because it was a little bit higher. It's a, it's a breakout year, quote-unquote. And then Kyle Schwarber was at 29.9%. He strikes out 30% of the time, but the dude did lead the National League in home runs, so at least he contributed somewhere else. But the rest of the guys are like Luke Voigt, who was worthless, Patrick Wisdom, who couldn't stay on the Cubs, which is hard. You know, it's hard to get let go by the Cubs this year. A. Eugenio Suarez, who's been bad for a couple of years. Trent Grisham, who's a disappointment. Uh, Matt Chapman, who's been bad. Cody Bellinger, who's been really bad. Josh Donaldson, who nobody would want on their team to begin with. But you're getting guys like that, right? And that's what I'm worried about. Oscar Colas coming up, following suit with with just about everybody else that I've ever looked at. And being this high strikeout guy. So wait, hold on a second. You're telling me the plan would be with Oscar Colas in the outfield is that we would expect him in his rookie season, because this works this way all the time with White Sox rookies, right? To play a full season at the level of Dansby Swanson or Kyle Schwarber to make up for that high strikeout rate. Or, more likely, not going to be anything other than a guy who's developing at the major league level, contributes a little bit, hits towards the bottom of your order, and is not the answer to the thing that pushes you past where you're at right now. That's probably right. what it, that's probably what he is. Right. All right. Well, that, that, that's the White Sox way right there. Right. And 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 the good news long term. If you're looking at the long view, Tim Anderson was in the, his minor league career, Tim Anderson was at 22% for his K rate. He's currently for his major league career at 23%. However, his first two years were 27% strikeouts, 26% strikeouts. So I think that that's where Oscar Colas fits in. However, I will give you some I will give you one bit of good news as I was researching players. There are two guys in the minors and we saw them both last year so they've had a little taste of it that could fill the second base role and it's Yolbert Sanchez and Lennon Sosa. And their K rates down in the minors last year. Now, Lennon Sosa's stat line looks a lot like Oscar Colas for for his minor league minor league season last year. His 36 games, his 36 plate appearances up in uh, up in Chicago were terrible. But down there, he hits basically the same average, same number of RBIs, same number of home runs, okay? OPS is a little bit higher for, for Lennon Sosa at a 15% K rate. That's a really good K rate. Yolbert doesn't have the power, 14%. A guy who's kind of similar in that line that's come up recently is Gavin Sheets, who was 17% down there, is 21% up here. And I think Lennon Sosa and Yolbert Sanchez are going to make more contact than Gavin Sheets and be more useful in that regard. But if you're looking at, okay, can we fill one of these holes from the minors this year with somebody who has a chance to come up and give a decent contribution, those two guys have an opportunity. Because the other two guys that they mirror that I found were Julio Rodriguez and Michael Harris II, who are Rookie of the Year candidates, right? So if you if you were to say our second baseman would be Julio Rodriguez level production out of Lennon Sosa, you'd take that. I would take that. 
this year, and, and that would be a way to save money. So there's a possibility there. I mean, there's some some little glimmers of hope. We have a team that has a $7 million space currently available with a general manager Correct. who says he must make trades to improve the team because his cheap owner is giving him actually less payroll this year than what he had the year before to at least start the season. If we can believe everything that we saw in that article that came out this week, right? Correct. Okay. And yes. then and then what we're looking for this team to do with a rookie manager, we're looking for Tim Anderson to bounce back, Yuan Moncada to have an anomaly season because his norm is bad. So we need Go the anomaly. Type, yes. We need Luis Robert to progress. And stay healthy. Loya Menez to progress and stay healthy. And stay healthy. Andrew Vaughn to progress. Gavin Sheets to progress. Yes. We need Yasmani yes. Grandal to, at his, at his later age in his career, completely turn around when every metric says that he's, he's on the downslide and has actually slid right off the cliff. We need Danny Mendick to turn that hot streak into a whole season next year, basically at second base currently. Uh, maybe, yeah. We need Lucas Giolito to be fixed. We need Lance Lynn to stay healthy and not have any knee problems and 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 perform at a high level. We need Michael Kopech not to fall apart. True. We need somebody who doesn't normally end up in the rotation to just slide in as a rotation piece and then pitch the entire season, whether it be Martin or Crochet. We only have one guy out of all of those, the starting pitchers and all the position players, one guy who if they regressed, we could actually accept a little regression and cease, right? Because like he, that may, he might go down and come back up. I mean, but everybody else can't have regression. We need everybody on the team to do better than they did last year. Not one, not two. Everybody on the team must do better. Several of them have to do something that would be statistical anomalies. And all of that has to be done while a guy who doesn't pull off what he's describing he has to pull off with multiple trades that can completely remake a team and then and then get them to the promised land is going to do all that in a window that is closing very, very quickly because the year after that, several people come off the books, right? Oh, I think the window closed, don't you? It feels that way, doesn't it? Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.